Hi, this is Lewis Lovehog from Atop the Fourth Wall, and you're listening to Bite. Hello, hello, all you awesome listeners. My name is Zach Sexton, and I thank you for tuning into our show. Together, we make up the Metagame Podcast. For those who are new, we gather to discuss esports and the deep issues inside the industry itself. We're not going to focus on those uh, day-to-day games, those like little things. We're going to discuss the big news and the big topics. So today, I have three magnificent guests. Firstly, I have my co-host and our in-house smite expert, Mr. Chase Nuclear Newcomb. Oh, there he is. Next to him, I have uh, a classic friend of mine. He goes by the nickname of Panda, and he's a returning guest, Mr. Adam Vang. Thanks for having me. And we have a new guest today who knows a lot, it seems, about uh, the collegiate esports and esports kind of advertising, Mr. Uh, Drew Baker. Thank you for joining me, gentlemen. Today I bring <laughs> two topics for us to discuss. Firstly, we're going to discuss collegiate esports and kind of the news and the big things that are going on with that. And then we're going to uh, transition over to player behavior and our experiences with play, uh, kind of just like the different attitudes of players in different uh, collegiate, professional, and common levels. So... As last time, I want to begin with a question. Do you guys think collegiate esports are is a huge thing, and do you think it's here to stay? Uh, yeah, I definitely think it's a big thing, and it's here to stay. Uh, the, there's a big difference between collegiate players and professional players, if you really think about it, because uh, collegiate players are taking classes, they have uh, work that they have to do, so they have, I would say, a stricter schedule, while professional players, they do that full-time. They do nothing but esports their game full-time uh i saw an article collegiate esports players practice uh somewhere in the ballpark from four to six hours a day a a day Mm -hmm. in terms of um preparing for tournaments and whatnot and in contrast the professional players practice from like six to twelve hours a day like they spend their entire day practicing Mm -hmm. so um there's a big time gap and i would say um there's even a uh terms of experience there's an experience gap between the two of them too but uh i've seen some instances where some collegiate players can hang with the pros and i mean that's yeah, that's how they get better. their yeah that's how they get their hang in with the yeah. pros that's how they get their hand in so yeah I mean, i'd say it's around to stay yeah what do you think drew uh yeah i think it i think it's definitely uh like in the last year or so become a thing that's that's going to to stay mm-hmm. um for the longest time, it's it's really been centered around like the Western country uh, states, mm-hmm. uh, California, um, Oregon, Washington, kind yeah. of really have all those all those um, events. Uh, it started to come more into the Midwest. Uh, I know uh, the University of Cincinnati just held one of the biggest um, collegiate LAN right. events yeah. in the like in the in this half of the country, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, um, I think the uh, University of Miami in mm-hmm. Oxford, Ohio, mm-hmm. is has started has has gotten their program like official, like yeah. it's official with their with their school. So it's definitely something that is is starting to pick up some traction. And is going to uh, make a big uh, statement. Right. It's just been over the past few years that they've just been popping up more and more and more. Um, do you have anything you want to add, Adam? Um, I would just say that. I think it's just going to keep on growing at the at the rate it is. Um, it's only been going for 
not even like what six years almost maybe a bit more than six years but at even at that just collegiate level it's already growing like at this exponential rate not even just the professional scene just the collegiate level it's at itself and there's already been national tournaments with college teams and there's so many college level teams not even just specific games just all the big league games right now and even uh, some up-and-coming games mm-hmm. so. yeah so, something that i find super interesting about it is all of these programs aren't really um monitored or built by professionals just because there's no professionals in this field yet at all so right. everything right. in the collegiate scene is done by collegiate players themselves yeah i mean a lot of the organizations that are kind of like yet yeah, starting this whole like upbringing was just started by a group of students um one one thing I can bring up, for example, and you two know quite a bit about this, um, TESPA was just a couple, or it was like three or four kids originally, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Our viewers actually can't see right now, but I'm wearing my TESPA t-shirt. That is right. He is. <laughs> yeah. Ball State is a TESPA chapter. Yep. And um, just a little background for people who don't know what TESPA is. Uh, it was a, it was known as the Esports Administration, and then before that, Texas Esports Administration, if, if I remember right, or association, yeah. my mistake. Um, it came around 2012 at University of Texas, Austin, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering that right. Yeah. Um, they started kind of growing, and they spread to other schools in Texas, then California, and then big-name uh, companies started getting involved with them, and then uh, from there they launched into kind of a nationwide program. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, that. that's that's TESPA. You just summed it up, basically. <laughs> that, that's it. Hey. Um, so it's actually really cool. Uh, Drew and I had this conversation uh, recently so TESPA actually um, got big enough. Blizzard was, like, noticing them, and they're like, hey, you, mm-hmm. we like you. You right. can be a part of us. So TESPA's, like, a part of Blizzard now, and they're, like, sponsored by Blizzard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the all the things that, they, that uh, the the co-founders of, of uh, TESPA did, um, they, they went out and got the, their sponsorships for their tournaments themselves. Mm-hmm. They did all the background work, all the leadership work, all, all mm-hmm. the tech. They built their own teams. Um, right. I think uh, TESPA started with like the Lone Star Battle, which was a uh, um, StarCraft II tournament. Mm-hmm. It was one, one of the biggest tournaments in the, in the country mm-hmm. at the time. Um, so it, it's yeah, it, I remember. It, it really gets the attention of those big name companies like Blizzard, mm-hmm. like Riot, like uh, High Res. Yeah, um, and they did something pretty big this past year in terms of like a uh, managerial aspect. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that, Drew? I don't know. With their uh, how they divided it into different regions. Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, it started off in, in just Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, branched out into the into the western uh, states, and and it got so big in the last two years that they actually expanded it to the entire country. Right. Um, nice. Um, with with so many chapters, they can't like manage every single one themselves. So they had to break up their. Um, their hierarchy into regions. Mm-hmm. So now the now the the chapters are broken up into four regions. Uh, the Indiana chapters are in the north region. Right. Um, then there's south and west and east. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the Tespa regions each um, like get together and uh, they created their own like regional event where all the chapters from that region are, would go to that event. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of had it like a like a turn like a like a challenge. Among all the among all the regions, mm-hmm. um, TESPA helped them with funding, helped them with sponsorships, um, just to see which region could have the biggest event. Huh, that's really um, awesome. We actually had our North Regional event, the TESPA North Region, 
event last weekend, I think. It was in Oxford, Ohio. Oh, I didn't uh, realize it was that recent. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty recent. The, huh. yeah, I think it was Ready, Set, Land. Oh, cool. Was the, was I like title. that. Yeah. I like that title. Yeah. Huh. Well, yeah, that reminds me. Um, Adam and I are big uh, League of Legends eSport followers and things like that. So uh, there's an article I was reading. It was about kind of the initiation of this whole like collegiate eSports level in Riot in 2013 is when the article was dated, started like focusing on universities and gaming clubs. And at the time, there was not a lot. They didn't, they didn't like, there wasn't like a big poll for people to come to college and play gaming because it was the whole get outside, get involved, get active and all that kind of like, I don't know, that, that olden style understanding. And so Riot's like, okay, we're going to do a prize pool. The four top teams in North America are going to compete and see who can win this prize pool. And I don't remember the exact amount, but it was it was a decent chunk. It like helped out with a lot of like yeah, a lot of startup. I think um, it was uh, for the first one was I think the first one was about thirty thousand or, or no no no. I think that was just like their introduction to it, but I think it just kept skyrocketing from for there. the for the prize. Yeah, for yeah. the prize pool. But like you saying how they split it up. Um, if you actually look at how the they have a. U Lull, which is their uni- uh, their collegiate circuit, it's northeast, west, and south, mm-hmm. and they take the four top teams from each of those regions and put it, put them in a bracket every spring or kind of throughout the year, and they compete for the prize pool, which is, I think this year it's like it's quite a bit. It's, it's like, an incredible amount of money. It's like a few hundred thousand or yeah, 000? it's upwards to two hundred thousand dollars for the yeah. winning team. Yeah, that's actually I think that's actually more than some of the professional teams make competing in. Um, uh, the the LCS that is true it is it's yeah. it's quite a bit of money um and I I noticed like I was reading through it and I was like oh this is 2013 Tespo started getting really up and going in 2013 as well so um if you go back and look Riot and Blizzard actually did some uh, partnership in that stuff oh so so one of the rules not necessarily for Tespo but for Blizzard is that if you're going to become partnered with them you don't just play Blizzard games you have to play an assortment of games. So you got to pull in games from other companies. So they like it when people are in these gaming clubs and they're like playing League of Legends and Smite and all that kind of stuff. And even Smash Bros was thrown in there a little oh, bit. Yeah. So I, I found that kind of cool. Um, and from what it looked like, that used to be that looked like it was the earliest like collegiate group kind of prize pool going on. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even know that. That's really that's really neato. Yeah, I had to do some <laughs> digging. It was up on their uh, Riot's own page, but. Got taken down, I guess. I'm not 100% sure why. Um, but a lot of the prizes and things like that actually are also opportunities to go professional. And They, they really are. Like, with collegiate players um, being collegiate players, uh, you're not going to be in college forever. You're going to have to graduate at some point. That's right. And although you graduate with that nice, shiny plaque of a degree, you, uh, you, you if your passion is eSports and if you're given that opportunity, if – for for instance, if you win a giant tournament like let's say Heroes of the Dorm, and mm-hmm. you graduate, like what's next? You have so many opportunities, and uh, for certain, there are going to be uh, corporations and teams who are going to get a hold of you and say, "Hey, I saw you played in college. Would you like to play at a professional mm-hmm. level?" Like that's a thing. Well, like um, when we get to our topic on like uh, success stories, I have a few that I want to bring up. They're just about that. But since you brought up uh, Heroes of the Dorm. Um, I wanted to dive a little more into uh, that actual like uh, that actual event, and th- is that that's ongoing right now, right? Or is it just ended? I think it just ended. Did it just yeah, end? It just okay. ended. And uh, did you guys see how big the prize pool on that one was this time? Not Whoa. this year around. Four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Oh, and the winners God. and like <laughs> winners of the the winning team got full tuition. 
Yeah, no. Yeah, I actually uh That's insane. Right? I actually insane. had a had a chance this past week to sit <laughs> down and uh I uh I've been networking here and there recently, but I met oh, Zach yeah, yeah, yes, me networking. Uh, <laughs> I met Zachary Meerman, and uh, he talked a little about his, what what he did, and I just found it fascinating because uh, I was branching out, talking to some TESPA members um, about some questions pertaining to esports, and uh, he, I, I, it led me to him, and I was like, "Oh, hey, man, <laughs> how's it going? I heard that you won this crazy championship last year." <laughs> And he's like, yeah, I went to Berkeley. I may or may not have uh, won Heroes of the Dorm. But... May or may not have won. <laughs> <laughs> but see, the crazy thing was he was a senior, so uh, yeah. it's given as a scholarship through th- through that school, and mm-hmm. the school was generous enough to give it to him through a check. So he actually got to keep oh. the money, and he just used the entire money to pay off all of his student loans. So he left Berkeley with no student loans. Oh, oh man. man, I would do that too if I could. <laughs> yeah. I need to get good at a game. <laughs> no, that's re- that's really, really awesome. Um no, I guess here's a dorm. It's two years now. It's been going, and like, mm-hmm. 400 schools participate in yeah. here's a their dorm. And it's like, crazy. Yeah, and like a uh, statistic here says 6,000 players, different six six thousand different players all participate in just one series of event. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also the uh, first ever esports event uh, broadcasted to television. ESPN yeah. three, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, I think ESPN actually opened up ESPN3. We talked about it in our last episode. Uh-huh. Uh, they opened up ESPN3 right before that event had occurred, and I believe it was they wanted to open it for that event. Yeah. And, it, it I mean, it was a huge event. It got a huge following, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot didn't, of people uh, watched it. Sorry. Didn't um, uh, the League of Legends World Championship get streamed on? Uh... Yeah, the latest one last fall did get streamed on ESPN3. Um, actually... They had a whole week where they would just show like highlights and different clips that like were crazy from the week before. So yeah. it, it was it was pretty cool. Um, I remember running in my like workout room and I'm sitting there and ESPN's on. It's like oh yeah, get in shape, see all the sport <laughs> athletes and all that. And all of a sudden it's like this week double lifted, blah 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 blah. And I was like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I actually remember reading. Um, they had so many highlights up on their front page that it was taking away from their like main. Uh, sports and they actually like took them down. Yeah. Wow. I, like people were getting mad. Because, they were like, yeah. "This is not real sports." <laughs> yeah. Well, if you think about it, I mean, we talked a little bit about how it's kind of like real sports last time. Yeah. Collegiate, like, like esports players are doing the same things that collegiate athletes are doing. Yeah. No, they have to. They have a. They have a training regimen, like we said a mm-hmm. few minutes ago. It's like yeah. four to six hours or six to twelve hours. If you're spending that much time doing something, you're. It's part of your body is going to get trained, and part of it's going to. Um, enhance i mean mm-hmm. yeah yeah and even even like the facilities um that these that these players have to practice in are like top of the line yeah uh robert morris university actually built like a specific building mm-hmm. and set it up um like like an lcs style platform yeah for them to practice on yeah, yeah. ball state please, ball state, please. <laughs> hey we're a great school for telecommunications we should do this i agree no but like um i know robert morris is another good one that's a pretty good example of it but um oh where where is my note there it is uh one of the things is that they're actually these collegiate events are going to normal like stages too now um i know last year's uh, i went to an actual like um big stage event shrine auditorium i've not ever seen it but i know apparently it holds a lot of people and it's pretty big and there's actually a psychological training regimen that these players have to go through now because you're in really? front of a crowd, and most of these people haven't been in front of crowds before. That's true. Yeah. That's I guess true. I didn't. I've never yeah. thought about that. Yeah. 
That is crazy. Because now it's played live. You don't have to play. You're not playing it by yourself or with just with your friends anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure. You go from sitting people. in a you go from sitting in a room by yourself competing with your friends online. That's yeah. all you have to talk to those five friends to being in front of a stadium of so many people mm-hmm. and they're watching and your every move and broadcast it and they can tap into your mic comms. I don't I don't know about uh, league, but I know for Smite for they sure do. they, they type into the comms and they can hear what you're saying. Like that would be a lot of a, a lot of pressure for someone who's not. Used yeah, to be yes, yeah. If you, if you think about it, like if you grew up playing a sport, you've always had that audience watching you, like mm-hmm. ever since you were young, till till when you stopped playing it. Except with esports, you've you don't have that experience. Yeah, you have no, never like, played in front of a group before. There's a large, yeah, there's a large so, group of the esport like college players who never played sports you, when they were younger. You can't just ease into it really like that. It's kind of a shock to your system. It, yeah, they have to go through like a rigorous like training in order to get used to it. That's insane. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, and so the stadiums that they are the stages that they're building. They want their advertising people to come and see these people play and mm-hmm. kind of get used to it more and more and more. So a lot of like the first times that like new teams are coming in, they don't have anybody watch them, and then they start letting more people in, and then more people in until the whole thing's filled. That's a good way to go about it. That's a good yeah. way to like ease it into and have them like uh, be prepared for the big event that's coming yeah. up. Although I feel like it's a bit of a jump when it goes from a hundred oh, people yeah. to like oh. ten thousand people. Yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Just don't think about it. That's all you got to do, guys. Them all naked, and you'll be fine. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but if we're going on uh, Heroes of the Dorm, did you see that uh, there was a lot of criticism because it got broadcast on ESPN and things like that. But um, like we were talking about last time, how athletes were getting involved and starting to sponsor them. Mm-hmm. Heroes of the Dorm has been seeing some actual like sponsorship from big-time uh, other uh, organizations, not just ESPN, but like NFL organizations and people like that are actually jumping in saying, this is healthy for kids. This is what they should be doing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I didn't. I see. I didn't know that either. That's mm-hmm. crazy. And you know, it would make sense because, as we did talk about last time, once again, like they're making this much money. Mm-hmm. They're making so much money off of this industry. It'd be stupid for companies not to jump on and not to uh, jump in and try to help out and um, make this industry grow. Right. Right. And I mean, it is growing. Um, and it's going uh, multiple different universities. There's there's universities now that hold scholarship programs. You can get a full ride just to go play oh, League of Legends. Yeah, most collegiate tournaments now, I actually found this out, most collegiate tournaments offer a tuition type of package with their um, with their championship or whatever tournament they're holding. Mm-hmm. The grand prize usually has a type of tuition in there because yeah. if you're going to college, you're, you're going to need some money in that tuition to uh, get all the way through. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually reading here. Um, Riot's North American Collegiate Championship had $100,000 in scholarship money for last year alone. And that was all, all like all the national teams uh, or universities. And this was off of uh, Robert Morris University's page. Of course. Where, you know, they're the first <laughs> university to offer gaming scholarships. Yeah. So that's pretty huge for them as well. And just, just the amount of money that collegiate esports is getting is incredible mm-hmm. something that i actually read about the nacc there there was more people to per, to participate in that collegiate event than there are um uh football players yeah. in the ncaa oh really <laughs> yeah i had no oh idea oh my yeah. gosh wow huh and they're not and they're not being paid to, no. to play for their teams either they they, yeah. that's, they just want to do it yeah huh wow that's crazy that, t- that actually speaks volumes that a actually says something. Hey guys, this is the future. This is, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would go to school for competitive gaming if I could have when I started. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Would, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, think about it. Just if if every school starts starts offering incentives to play, 
yeah, yeah. There's going to be well, a lot of competition. I got my brother is a uh, he's a high tier uh, Smash Bros player, and he's yeah. very very good, and he goes to, like all sorts of things like that. He's going to Purdue in the fall. Well, there's an organization there. They're not like sponsored or anything like that, but they yeah. offer prize packages that actually help with your uh, paying for school. Wow. And it's That's like pretty cool. There's a whole like training regimen that he's going to have to go through and balance it on top of grades and everything. But they got this strict understanding that you have to hold a certain GPA if you want to continue. See, that's a that that's a really cool aspect of that too, because it, it uh, encourages the players and it encourages the students to keep up with their studies, mm-hmm. but yet to keep practicing. Because let's be honest, it's really easy for a kid to sit in his room all day and play video games all day. Now, there's I do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a line that's drawn like uh, from like playing and practicing because when you're practicing, you're serious. Mm-hmm. You're like pointing out things that you're doing wrong. You're trying to improve yourself. Playing, mm-hmm. you're just like sitting in a room. So like, um, and, and playing the games, of course. Yeah. But that speaks volumes because it's an incentive for the for the student to, to maintain their studies and mm-hmm. to maintain a good schedule. And I think that that's really vital and important for, for a, not just like players or students, but for people. Mm-hmm. So I, I, think that that's, I think that that's great. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing that like normal athletes have to do with everything. There's also like uh, rules for attendance policies. Like you could get good grades and not go to class, but you have to go to class. And these, if you're in this program, like there's teachers, they'll be like contacted. Like you had to be in attendance this many, or at least this many times throughout the entire year. And you have to get like if if you're gonna be uh, absent, you have to have like an excused absence for purpose of the actual organization or illness or anything like that. So yeah, these these younger players are being put on these like kind of strict, strict, strict schedules on. If you want to be on our team and you want to earn this and go for it, you got to follow our rules. And I think that's a good way to do it. Um, yeah. Instead of training them, you know, 12 hours a day and such like professionals who are roughly about the same age as collegiate players. Yeah. Um, it- putting them on like a six hour schedule, things like that, and make sure they get like an education comes first because it is hard to become an actual professional, even from a collegiate mm-hmm. level. And something, I mean, something could always happen while you're in college. Things happen all the time. You could be mm-hmm. kicked off the team or you could leave the team. And then what there? You don't have your education. So mm-hmm. you need to, you need, like, I'm glad that they're putting that first. you making it uh, a sincere statement to the education department. And I think that that's a big part of collegiate esports. Um, we were talking about how um, the following is getting bigger in colleges. And I think that it's, I think that it's a, um, I don't, let me rephrase that. I don't understand why colleges all aren't jumping on board because this industry that's that, that's happening right now in colleges, it's such a low-cost option for mm-hmm. the colleges, but it gives so much publicity to the college, mm-hmm. and it gives so much um, attention to the college. Um, so, for instance, if you think about the financials of it within, like, a collegiate eSport, you, even within one game, you're going to need five people. They're all going to own their own computers, their own specs at the same time. So, mm-hmm. what what is a club paying for? What is a university paying for? Right, they're not paying for anything really. They're they I mean, if the player travels across the country to compete in a tournament, that's it. They're paying mm-hmm. like maybe a two hundred dollar coaches. Uh, uh, coaches. Yeah, coaches, coaches. Well, if you do, if you do get a coach, I mean, sometimes coaches aren't even necessary. Sometimes I, they're just fellow college students too. Yeah, mm-hmm. there are other there are other students. So that like the fact that there's uh, low risk and a really, really high reward. This this industry, like, I don't understand why other universities aren't just, like, jumping on it at the moment. And the crazy thing is I think that they're hesitant because they're not sure of this industry yet. They're just mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe it's just a phase. Maybe it's not quite going to go there yet. Right. But uh, the fact of the matter is you can have five 
students competing for $500,000 for your university. Yeah. And you don't have to do anything but sit, but say, okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, right. Um, and a lot of the organizations that are ahead of are willing to partner with that university and be like, okay, we'll supply 10 gaming machines for 5v5, and that's it. Like, I, I know, like, some places actually uh, will supply, like, gaming chairs. I think Robert Morris University got gaming chairs because they were one of the ones that were like, we offer scholarships and things like that. And other industries were like, let's jump on board. Uh, here's some stuff. Um, show us what you can do and such like that. Sponsorships so. is a big part of holding a tournament at a collegiate level because right. the fact, um, like, a big part of the tournament is – what, what reward are we going to get? What are we going to get? And for some of these universities that are just now starting up, they don't have money to put out. They don't have mm -hmm. money to give except for if it's registration. So they have to get the sponsorships from other clubs to do so or from other organizations, from other uh, companies to do so. And the companies are actually really generous in doing so. They're, they, uh, they, they give out stuff to mm -hmm. give out. Uh, for instance, uh, Battle for Indiana last year. Drew, uh, what all did we get for that? Uh yeah, we uh we contacted Riot's um collegiate program and they they helped sponsor our tournament for us. Uh we had like 20 maybe 20 teams participate, seven yeah. different schools. Oh, very cool. Um all 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 in Indiana. It was a it was mm -hmm. a a regional tournament. It was really cool. It was actually one of the the prob I think it was the first like actual tournament in Indiana. Yeah, it was huh. the first of, of that scale. Yeah, it was the first big collegiate tournament collegiate e-tournament i guess i could say yeah, that works. in indiana yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and riot sponsored that and they uh provided all the all the teams with um uh rp and mm -hmm. and some some of the other stuff some uh, some other uh prizes that's awesome yeah i mean these industries are willing to help and universities need to kind of if universities look into universities look into it the opportunities opportunity is there I mean, I don't feel like they're going to turn down very many like big time universities, such as Ball State. Yeah. If, uh, if you want to talk a little bit about your experience so far with that. Oh gosh. Um, so we are currently, uh, Drew and I are currently trying to spearhead a collegiate esports organization at at Ball State. Uh, Drew did a lot of work last year, and uh, this year I've kind of taken over and done some work. So I'm gonna let Drew talk about last year a little bit. Yeah. Uh, last year. Um Esports or collegiate esports was really kind of non-existent almost, right. or, or at the beginning of last year, so almost two years at this point. Yeah, um, and it really takes someone to step up and say, "Hey, I, I think we can make it make this an actual thing." Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, a lot of what I did was was try to get people like the people that were the most interested in esports to to help and 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 build a group out of what we what we already had. Mm -hmm. um, the EGL, the Electronic Gaming League, right. is like the biggest um, gaming mm -hmm. clubs on campus, and it kind of takes in like every every game available. Um, but a lot of it is like League of Legends. Um, uh, we play a lot of Heroes of the Storm, mm -hmm. uh, Hearthstone. So it really kind of fits the idea of an esports club. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was actually approached by uh, Brad Hughes, who was the um, vice president of the club. Mm -hmm. about starting this tournament um and that's when that's when i thought you know we can actually make we can actually make make our stand here uh get our name out and then start becoming an esports club right uh, mm -hmm. so we put we put a lot of effort into contacting different schools um advertising um mm -hmm. the tournament 
Ball State actually had the most teams in the tournament after after oh, our wow. advertising yeah. efforts. So it was nice. really cool. cool. We had seven teams and all of them lost. Oh, <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> but, but we had the most teams. It was pretty fun. We yeah. need more backing. We need better teams. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. And then I and then I met and then I met Chase after the tournament was mm-hmm. over and and he was super interested in it. And he came to me talking about uh Smite and high res and how how his <laughs> uncle is. Is has has contacts there, and I was uh-huh. like, "All right." So we we really found our backing uh, at that point, and we're able to to build build from there. That's I feel like awesome. this is somewhat of a love story. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, you guys were destined to meet. That's when I met Drew. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, like exactly how he said it. Uh, I was uh, writing for Byte at the time last year, mm-hmm. and I Go heard bite. about yeah, yeah, and I w- I heard about this tournament. Uh, through the EGL, I was a member, and I went every weekend and played mm-hmm. over at the gaming lab. So, yeah, nice uh, hey, yeah. So um, <laughs> I actually went to the tournament because I told uh, Brad and I—I I think it was Brad and Zach at the time. I was like, "Hey, uh, I hear you guys are doing a collegiate level tournament. I'd be really interesting and uh, interested in helping." And they mm-hmm. were just kind of like, "Yeah, you know, whatever. We'll get back to you." And then I messaged them again. I was like, "What's up?" They're like, oh, it's happening today. You can come down if you want to. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks. So I uh, I ran down to Burkhart, and they were recording in Burkhart, and uh, that's when I met Drew. And uh, I met him through a mutual friend, Daniel, and uh, we, we, we just kind of, like, started talking from there. I'm like, yeah, I actually want to start an esports organization here at Ball State. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's a great idea. We should, we should start doing this. So it was really at the end of last year when we first started – over the summer, we took a break, and then we kind of came back this year with a fiery rage. We met up, uh, we talked uh, logistics, we talked what in in a realistic stance. How would this work? So, uh, in October, we were hopefully thinking about becoming a club by the by next semester, by January. Mm-hmm. Well, things get in the way of that, and um, we've done a lot of planning, but it really comes down to whether or not what your school says. You can have all the plans in the right. world. So we were actually planning to have a second battle for Indiana um, mm-hmm. for for the Ball State would host. And we we went through, we got a whole bunch of contacts, we got a whole bunch of people to um, get on board, and it just kind of started to dwindle because everyone started to get gassed out because uh, we weren't hearing anything back about our whether or not we were a club, and we couldn't advertise anything yet if we didn't know where we stood with the university. So we kind of dwindled from there. But luckily, uh, I got a message from IUPUI and IU Bloomington. Uh, they added me to this Facebook group of like kind of like collegiate esports in Indiana. And they were like, we're doing battle for Indiana. We're going to take it over for you guys. And I think that's actually happening this weekend. So that's uh, awesome. stay tuned for that. that that's a thing that's yeah, happening. I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually in that tournament. I didn't even know I was part of that tournament until uh, – <laughs> Probably a week ago. Oh, <laughs> nice. Well, hello. <laughs> well prepared. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes into um, creating the organization. We wrote up a constitution. We're kind of waiting right now for uh, financial aid and for the student life office to get back a hold of us because um, this current moment we just don't really know. Uh, esports is such a new industry, and this is happening to other colleges. We're not the, we're not the only one. Colleges have different rules they, mm-hmm. It's not just like a base law rule for every college that uh, they all they all have like diff- their rules differentiate. So mm-hmm. um, it's hard to determine where we how we should handle our money and how we should handle the prizes. Yeah. Should it be awarded as a scholarship to the university and given to the player? But what if the player is going to graduate? 
I don't know if Ball State exactly has the same funding as Berkeley and can just write a check to the student um, that, that won. So um, we're, we're trying to figure that out at the current moment, but uh, we've gotten quite a, quite a large backing on it, and there's a bunch of people that are really excited about it. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. And another thing about that is like it's an e-sport, it's esports. So this there's not a lot of um, like rules and standards set for these kind of sports yet, you know. Yeah. So it's trying to figure out this whole process of figuring out where this goes, how we're supposed to, you know, di- like spread the money or you know spending or you know all these kind mm-hmm. of finances. Not even just finances, just managing, you know. Mm-hmm. So all these kind of things with esports is just so new. So it's pretty impressive. And the biggest part with that is, like, uh, for us, it's it's legal issues. We just don't want to, like, step on any toes or, like, not do anything wrong, I guess you could say, with, with taxes, mm-hmm. how it's taxed. So with some companies, with some big tournaments, uh, the money is taxed when the money's handed out to the players. Mm-hmm. So in an ideal world, what we would like to do is the money be given – most of the money be given to some of the players. Some of the money be given to the Ball State esports organization mm-hmm. for us to make merchandise and whatever we need for future tournaments. Right. And then the players get to keep their money. But mm-hmm. we don't know about taxes yet. We don't know how the tax system is going to work with esports. So we're just kind of like dwindling by. We're kind of like sliding by until we hear um, hear from our um, – tax director over at yeah. Bursar, and we hear what the next step should be. And this past week, I've done a lot of networking and talking mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of um, professionals in the field. I've talked with a bunch of TESPA people, right. and I've talked with uh, Lydia. She is the manager for Paradigm for Smite. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, and that's like a professional team. So I've done a lot of networking in the past week in terms of like trying to get this figured out mm-hmm. for Ball State, but uh, I'd really like to see Ball State become one of the hubs for esports in in the central United States. Well, yeah, I mean we're kind of like we're the crossroads of or crossroads of the nation. That's what Indiana yeah. is. I feel like Muncie and Ball State kind of would fit really, really well there. And mm-hmm. we're a big TCOM college. Like we're we big on communications. This would mm-hmm. be a great department to have us start in. I I believe. And it's a like we said earlier, it's low cost. It's not going to be um, very expensive to to do. The the biggest um, concern is with. Players maintaining their GPAs, we talked mm-hmm. about earlier, and with uh, the legal and financial issues. Right. Know? Well, I hope it all works out for you guys. Like, I think that's an awesome opportunity. I actually know a few teachers. Um, uh, there's a couple in computer science and a couple in TCOM who are actually beginning to study. Well, the computer science are just studying, like, the design of uh, um, kind of like MOBAs and games like that and see yeah. why competitiveness is starting to, like, or why competitiveness is an important element. And TCOM's, ex- uh, like, re- researching how... Um, it affects society and like what's the actual digital storytelling from it. So I think in the next few years, you're looking at good opportunities. There's no streamlined way to get it done yet, is there? No, no. There's mm-hmm. it, everyone, everyone just kind of has their own route to do it. And I yeah. think, I honestly think that we're on a good track right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it looked, I'm not going to lie, it looked down for a bit. Like we were, we were kind of like sketchy and hesitant because we hadn't heard anything back. But at this point, we know that, um, we know that their exci- student life is excited, and we're excited. So, yeah. we're it's it's just a matter of working out, dotting our eyes and crossing our t's at this right, point. So. Right. Yeah, we've we've definitely got a lot of no's before we finally got a yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, be oh, persistent. It works. By the time we finally were able to schedule a meeting with them, and they and they started researching it, they realized you know just how big esports is oh, coming. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So for four months, they were all super skeptical about it, and then when they finally saw it, they're like. Yeah, we need to make this a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I know, like, articles and things like that are just now starting to really, like, push their mm-hmm. way out. I mean, mm-hmm. ESPN started publishing them, but, like, other sites. Um, for example, CNN's been putting out articles, like, a lot lately. 
Um, there was an article put out, oh, I think it was uh, December of 2015, and it was just about like uh, how big collegiate esports actually is becoming and that they're questioning like why aren't more universities looking at this and maybe this is something that should be uh, mm-hmm. started at almost every university. Yeah, I, def- I definitely think it's just because they're uninformed. Yeah. Um, a lot of the schools that have really pioneered this, this uh, venture, mm-hmm. a lot of them are private schools. I know... Yeah. Um, Oxford University, Robert Morris uh, University of Pikeville, I think it's in Tennessee, where, which was actually the second school to start offering scholarships. And mm-hmm. Notre Dame has um, a club too, don't they? Yeah. Here in Indiana. Um, a lot of these schools are privatized, or and and they they actually do help their um, their clubs fund. So, um, uh, yeah, my my friend uh, Stanley Turles, who is actually the um, uh, chief marketing uh, officer uh, with Almid. Which mm-hmm. I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. um, she's she's worked really hard with her with her school to to um, build her club there, build the esports um, scene in Ohio, um, and then also uh, she's she's actually going to be um, uh, teaching her 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 own esports class at Oxford University. Oh, I want to take at, that at Miami. Yeah, Sign it's super it's super awesome. <laughs> huh. Please, um, but but yeah, so like all these all these pioneers have have been given a little bit of financial ease so with all these these public schools wanting to get involved we don't have that opportunity Mm -hmm. um so again it kind of it kind of kind of falls upon us um to really pioneer this um push this this, yeah this this specific push Mm -hmm. where we don't have we don't really have that funding Mm -hmm. um but i do think in the next four or five years when the people like sitting here have graduated and have that experience Mm -hmm. right we're going to be able to teach the people coming in wanting to start their own esports clubs absolutely yeah, yeah. and I, I i think that um i think within the next four or five years it's it's going to be a bigger thing i know that we keep talking about the future of esports and how yeah, big it's but, going to be but in a real stance i even think it could branch down to community colleges i think so and i think that community colleges could start teams because that was a problem that we were facing with uh, inviting people to battle for indiana mm-hmm. we were trying to invite community college students because i know for a fact some community college students they they play the game and they play a lot mm-hmm. yeah i have a few friends who are like that exactly but the the problem is the student life so let's say for ivy tech mm-hmm. they have like one office that branches out to the other other offices but it's so hard to get in contact with them because mm-hmm. it's a community college like I, right. I i i had a hard time getting a hold of them and i really wanted to branch out to their students and um, allow them the opportunity to compete, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it just didn't work out. So I'm really hoping for a better sense of organization and a better sense of um, schedulement, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. in terms of the uh, colleges themselves being able to um, advertise and market their yeah. universities. I, they're not their universities. They're uh, their players and yeah. letting their players know what is going on. Well, there's a lot of success to be had in those players. And like here's a here's a statistic that like like if Ball State can hear about this, <laughs> the World Championship of League of Legends last year gained more viewers and more in attendance, um, broadcasting and everything than the last game of the NBA finals did and uh game seven of the World Series. Mm-hmm. And like well I know like there there's there's that section of people who do watch baseball and everything, but NBA's pretty big, but the world championship gained that many viewers. Yeah, there's a crowd here for it, and mm. I think when colleges start seeing that, they're going to be like, "We got to get on this train. This is it." We also have to think of who are these viewers who are watching these games. Yeah, and it's college students. It's mm-hmm. like college students who are watching their quote unquote heroes. No pun mm-hmm. intended. 
uh, play like Heroes of the Storm and play Smite and play Dota. And they're not only are they watching, some of them are competing at a professional level. And I really think it would be a better opportunity for them to start not even a little bit smaller, but a little bit closer to home. Like, and some some um, students have trouble making friends at college because they want to stay in the room and they want to play video games mm-hmm. and they want to they want to practice they want to get good and this gives them an opportunity to do so yeah. and make friends right yeah that was actually one of our one of our goals setting up this esports club here at Ball State was mm-hmm. to get get people that would normally stay in their rooms out and and hanging out and playing uh and and just local tournaments and stuff yeah. Well, I mean, there's success to be found there. And uh, if we move on a little bit, I want to talk a little more about those success stories. Um, I don't know if you guys know very many of them, but uh, I wanted to bring up a case I studied. And a lot of people who watch League of Legends know him. His name is Adrian Ma. He was famous before his whole uh, situation with Robert uh, Morris because he was a challenger and, like, semi-professional player. He was a really, really good support player. Um, but he never could make it straight into the LCS. Um, I read his story, and it stated that he got a – email or a text or something from a friend that's like hey Robert Morris just sent out this tweet or his email or something and they were like we're offering full scholarships for League of Legends players you can come here and study didn't think much about it he applied he was accepted and he got a full ride to Robert Morris University of Illinois and he played League of Legends for him and did things like that and they gave him opportunities he got to study low computer science and then like even these professional teams started seeing this and they were like okay we're going to uh, team impulse, which was LMQ at that time was like, you can come play for us. Um, you're, you're pretty good. Come play for us. And he got the opportunity to go from college straight into that. He hasn't wow. finished college yet, but I think he has the opportunity to go back as soon as he's done being competitive. Now keep in mind, he is now considered the best supporter in North America and one of the best supports in the entire world. But he had this opportunity that was given because the college was like, here are scholarships that are available because you're at a high level of league of legends. That that's crazy, right? Yeah, I have a uh, I have a. There's a streamer for Smite. His, his IGN is G, his 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 name in game is DJ Pernicus. Um, nice. But he is uh, he's from Europe, and last year I worked uh, night staff at one of the dorms around here. So I was up late at night. I'd watch his streams because it'd be the morning to them, night for us, and it'd be like four o'clock, and he'd be streaming. There'd be like two hundred people, and he would respond to his uh, Twitch chat followers. Like he, if you're talking to him, he'd respond and. Uh, found out that he's actually still in college and he's competing. He was competing at a professional level. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, was studying actually pre med. He was oh, a pre med wow. major wow. in playing professional esports and he's actually playing the season uh, of Smite. He's on Team Eager, I think. But um, he, I just, I, that just blew my mind that he was a pre med major and he was able to do that. And, um, I, I don't recall what university he went to. Like I said, he's from the UK, so it was um, probably some university over there. But mm-hmm. uh, that 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 success within itself, being able to maintain um, that GPA and that intense program while competing at a professional level of esports, like kudos and streaming, like kudos, man. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, oh man. I mean, yeah. There's 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 a lot of them out there. Um, and a lot of these teams and such like that that you were bringing up are also offer, offering opportunities that if you come and play with us for a few years, we'll pay off your college. And that's kind of like how Workforce works in general. Like, you can get a job with somebody and they'll be like, okay, I'll pay the rest of your college off if you sign to come play or do whatever with us. Yeah. And um, I think Collegiate Esports is 
definitely starting to move towards that way, which is which is beneficial to a lot of students. This is a way for people who couldn't go to college before go to college. Yeah, like it's it's a great opportunity. Like we were talking about Heroes of the Dorm earlier, the fact that most of these tournaments pay tuition for students, mm-hmm. that's a big thing for some students because they're going to uh, – and we're tying it into some of these universities being private. They're going to private universities. That means that they're not getting any funding. Uh, I'm me myself. I'm a 21st century scholar, so my tuition's paid for. I'm lucky enough to have that paid for. These these students don't have that opportunity unless if they're intense at like another um, extracurricular, like uh, like chess. But uh, <laughs> like those of them, those of them are really good at something else. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this is given as an opportunity to them to uh, go to college and do what they love, that's that within itself is a success, I believe. Right. I mean, I, I think it's it's kind of crazy. Um, uh, here's an article. It was from the Daily Dot. Five colleges have their own independent uh, esports scholarship programs. That's not like influence from outside like uh, companies or anything. That's just them. And Columbia. Uh, yeah, Columbia College actually set up scholarships for two full teams, two alternate players, and a coaching staff. <laughs> all college, wow. all college students, um, just to come and play with them, following the strict guidelines that you have to as a student. But um, and they said, they said, and here's the quote: "They're the present. True, true skill at video gaming is just as impressive and as legitimate as excellence in traditional sports." I am baffled. Right? <laughs> I am baffled. That's huge. That is. Wonderful, and we know Columbia is huge. Columbia is a big time school, and it's very expensive. Yeah, to go to. So um, I think that's kind of crazy. Yeah, you can. For those of you who are listening out there, there is opportunity to go to college for gaming, and I feel that this might be the future. And if you feel like you can really do it, you can go for it. And I mean, you gotta you gotta hit that high level. But exactly, and mm-hmm. that's that's honestly what we're trying to do here at Ball State. We're trying to create that opportunity. Um, with with the Ball State Esports Organization. We're trying to create that opportunity for our students to, if they want to pursue that dream, to become a professional esports player or even a collegiate esports player. Uh, we we want to hook them up with teams to be able to do so. So um, I think that the fact that... Um, I think a big factor within this is university support. And um, I think within the next few years, we'll see a big change of heart across the whole board of universities and colleges in the United States. That's true. And, um, yeah, and there's more opportunities, that too, coming from, like, um, third-party kind of style uh, scholarships, like Control Freak just announced that they're going to be, like, they're going to offer scholarships to already competing eSport players. Even if they're not winning those tournaments or getting those for rides, there's still opportunity there for you to get your school paid for wow. and play games that you love. I mean, if you're playing these games at a same professional level, you hopefully you love these games or yeah. hopefully you <laughs> enjoy them at some point. But yeah, um, and a lot of like the requirements for that are things like you have to have a good attitude, and you have to interview for it, and things like that. Which leads me to the or leads me to the discussion. Do you feel that as college players that the attitudes can be kind of a well, in the traditional word, be toxic? Because most most uh, esports <laughs> players and such like that um, are around college like age yeah. and things like that. And some of the athletes are pretty aggressive. Do you well, think that transitions into the esport and collegiate esport level? Yeah. To elaborate on the term like talk toxic, yeah. uh, this would mean like BM players. And to elaborate on BM, this would mean uh <laughs> You gotta elaborate on all the terms. Yeah. No, this would mean basically these are players where uh they're saying really, really cruel things in chat and their actions within the game are really cool and they don't push the game forward. They right. don't whatever 
um, type of match that they're playing, mm-hmm. they're they're suspending their players' uh, chance to win that match. And uh, yeah, I believe that toxicity would be a definite no go. Uh, I uh, I know that at a professional stance, they take it very seriously. And mm-hmm. if these college students are wanting to go into a professional game and play or a professional team and play, they're gonna have to learn at a very very uh, they're they're gonna have to nip it in the bud. Uh, the toxicity because uh, there was a Smite player, his name's Zashu. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played for Cringe Crew recently. He was uh, he was recently banned for harassment for a year. And I mean, this is uh, we're in the Smite Pro League, uh, the summer qualifiers right now, or uh-huh. the qualifiers right now, and uh, we're in week four, I think. Uh-huh. They, they've they've gone four weeks uh, competing and playing, and out of nowhere, it's just like oh, banned for harassment. Like these companies take this seriously. You don't, you you don't say things like, uh, you don't. There there there's some pretty terrible things. I don't I don't, I don't like wanting to just say it, but like there's some pretty terrible things yeah. when people get toxic in matches. So I think it's a no go. What do you guys think? Whoever wants to tackle it next, I can oh, yeah, talk if you want. Okay, uh, actually, <laughs> yeah, and um, they're much more more much more strict about it in a college level. Uh, so in Talking about Heroes of the Dorm, did you guys hear about Harvard? I did not. So Harvard uh, got their team disqualified for cheating, um, and they were cheating at a tournament. And basically, you know, Blizzard is like, no go. They're like, don't cheat. We're so against cheating and getting uh, caught. And this is Harvard. Like, you know, Harvard's kind of one of the big schools that kind of do that, or kind of one of the most prestigious schools in the entire yeah, world. Yeah. They don't cheat. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Backpedaling. Everyone, no. Uh, but uh, no, they got caught. Um, oh, what was it that they were actually doing? I think they were using... I don't know off the top of my head. But anyway, they were banned from the Heroes of the Dorm tournament for uses of cheating and uh, bad behavior and that such. Mm-hmm. And when you get banned from a tournament in a college level, you can lose your scholarship or lose the money that you're getting from that team. You can even lose the team in general like the school can lose the team so i mean it's important to keep player behavior but um if we want to move from just college level and talk more into actual just normal player player behavior i want to hear your guys' stories like you got to be good when you're you got to be like a good person and a good player when you're playing at these levels but Mm -hmm. we play at common person like common player levels Mm -hmm. yeah um so so in a competitive game it's it's natural for people to to get in the zone and get really intense about about some bigger plays that happen mm-hmm. um it happens to all of us yeah. even those even the most tame people that's right um, yeah so there's a there's a story uh about about um one of one of my worst rages actually i don't Ooh. i don't i don't usually rage at all but uh i've been playing a lot of ranked for about a week i think it was over spring break or something for which game? game is this league of legends oh god <laughs> yeah and and i had i had bad internet and and I uh, and I was I was really at like the end of my at the end of my level, and I made a bad play to someone who I should have been beaten or beating, and I stood up and I screamed real loud and I punched a hole through my door. Oh my god, yeah. man! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it was really bad, and all of my roommates just like avoided me for a day. Oh man! I bet that oh. door never messed with you again, though. Oh yeah, no, uh, uh, my landlord. My landlord actually oh, fixed it for me because he. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have that awkward conversation with your landlord? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was uh, I was mad at a he game was, and I. He was pretty uh, <laughs> sympathetic about it though. I think oh. he, I think he was laughing at me inside. 
Well, um, I mean, uh, so so yeah, it happens, and you don't expect it, but, but sometimes sometimes it's it's good to let that let that anger out. I mean, no, I feel yeah. it. Oh yeah, no. Just that just that uh, that or eagerness to compete. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, any any kind of competitive. Um, not even just game or not even sport, but just like any kind of anything that resolves that has some kind of competitiveness to it. It just brings out like your inner demons, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and it's just it it really drives you to compete. So like um, like I so like I'm in judo club. And so like even with that, like um, there's like I I had gotten a question about how we get our our club members to like compete in tournaments and stuff. And I and I I had to tell the guys like we don't we don't make them compete. It's all on their own volition. You know, it's it's a competitive sport. It makes you want to compete, you know, and that's the same thing that goes with esports and any kind of game itself is this kind of competitive nature just kind of comes out whenever you're trying to Mm -hmm. even it comes out even more when you're playing any kind of competitive game or something like that. So you ever rage at him? Honestly, yeah, I have. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't necessarily rage. I don't think I've ever. I don't. I don't recall raging. Maybe I go. You might like, rage a little I, bit. Maybe I go in like a blind rage and I just forget. I black out. <laughs> but I really just get in like this weird depressed mood where I just like my my toxicity just my toxicity goes to like a cap and then I just like fall off and then yeah, I'm yeah. just a drone basically. Well, okay, I've played with you a few times. Yeah. We can tell when Adam's starting to rage because he wastes his flash on unneeded yeah, yeah. things, which <laughs> yeah. flashes a skill in it. It's like, Adam, don't flash in for that kill. Yeah. Too bad. He's not even there anymore. Yeah, like, my, my rage moments are when you, you, you can tell when I rage when I'm just like, when you hear me like in the mat or in the game, you're like, YOLO! And then, <laughs> oh. and then I die and all this stuff. And then we start raging at him because we're like, stop! <laughs> we have a chance to win. I think I, uh, they're... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, um, I actually had a really, really bad raging problem in high school. Oh, really? I, like, it was it was bad to the point. Um, I, was, I had a few friends over, and uh, it was one of my... I used to throw... Um, New Year's Eve parties at my house. So um, it was just a few friends. They'd come over. We'd hang out and, you know, play video games. But uh, we're playing we're playing Call of Duty online, and we're playing oh. zombies. And I got downed, and I blacked out. And I, I came, like, I, I want to say, like, I came back, too. I finally focused and realized what was going on, and my friends were laughing at me. Well, I was already mad at that point. And I'm like, why are you laughing? This isn't, this isn't funny. And they're like, they're like, why did you take your shirt off? And I was like, what? And I looked down, and I had gotten so mad. I had stripped my shirt off and thrown it. Like, I was so angry. And I didn't, I, I didn't realize. So, like, apparently when in high school, I would go into blind ranges and take my shirt off and, like, scream. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't like, – the crazy thing is I don't recall it. So, like, I really think it's important – I'm gonna say it again for, uh, for for people. I don't really think I could say uh, uh, at a professional level I've ever seen a person play at a computer and stand up and take their shoot off, shirt off and scream. In the I would of love to see it. Oh but... yeah, absolutely. But uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't think that it's necessarily called for at all. So um, mm-hmm. raging and toxicity can sometimes go hand in hand, and I think even sometimes they can they can like branch off because toxicity is isn't necessarily when you're raging you can be like raging and super mad and keep it to yourself uh mm-hmm. if, if you're contained but i think toxicity is on its own level where you're like mm-hmm. you're 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 on another person about it you are affecting another person's gameplay and their mindset and it's and it's uh terrible yeah i think there's definitely a level um of rage and toxicity that that becomes a little uh unacceptable mm-hmm. um 
Like, like, yeah, if you if you if you're having bad games and you decide to, to waste your flash, yeah. or or you just like you just like don't show up to fights or anything or something, or you're playing with your friends and you do something stupid. I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think when you start like blatantly calling people out for things even when they don't deserve it, um, becomes an issue. And for and for collegiate players, I think this is especially important because um, if you have that kind of behavior and that kind of record on you. Um, it becomes very difficult for you to to go to that next level. People aren't going to want to play with you. Like it's not just simple. Mm-hmm, yeah. People won't. Your teammates will start to hate you. People won't want to play with you because of the way that you're acting. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to act like an adult in those situations. Yeah. It's yeah. there's some there's some players. Uh, two in the pro scene in the pro league scene that I know of. Uh, I will dominate. Yeah. yeah. Um, is is notorious for for being really toxic and was uh-huh. permanently banned and wasn't actually allowed in um in the LCS until they until like like after rigorous um like op- like chances to to fix that. He had to see like uh he had to get like a cert- or some sort of like certificate that he had gone through and seen like really? anger management or something like that. Wow. Oh my I gosh. remember hearing about it from uh, one of his like former pl- uh co-players like streams like yeah, he had to he had to see a counselor or something about it. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, even okay at a pro level, there is a this, there is still a lot of like mm-hmm. bad man, bad mannerisms and things like that. But like, yeah. hopefully they try and hide it in, but it doesn't always get through. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, I think that at a pro level, most of these pro teams in these games they know each other really well. They play with each other all the time. They're scrimming. They're practicing. Even collegiate, I would even say the same could go for collegiate uh, esports. Uh, most of these colleges know one another. Um, Maybe they're not ni- as tight knit as what the pro scene is, mm-hmm. but the fact is, like after the game, you're still getting up, you're still going over and shaking the other person's hand, or you're saying "good game," uh, "well fought," "good job," and I think that that's a really important component to um, collegiate and regular esports. The fact that uh, things can get out of hand in game, and you will say some things that you will regret, uh, but the main factor is at the very end of the game, you acknowledge the other person's. Um, the other person's professionality and the other person's skill, and mm-hmm. you say, you know, you did a good job, and uh, I, 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 you were the better person, or you say, hey, uh, you had some good plays there. It was a great overall game, but we won that in the end. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we need an esport equivalent for uh, fighting in hockey. Yes, <laughs> yes, we do. Players slam slam down their mouse and They're gonna meet be in throwing the middle. Controllers, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just keyboard wars is back in. <laughs> but uh, you, you stand up and go to the other team's <laughs> computer, start messing with them. Yeah. Oh man. Well, okay, yeah. Um, so at the professional and the collegiate levels, we understand like it's gonna happen, but try not to. But um, there's also a sense that it needs to be a little more strict. I feel like there, like, mm-hmm. there's a difference between like. Uh, being toxic at someone and then trying to like help them be a better player which um, kind of I feel like it's a little more important to be like that at a collegiate and a professional level so Mm -hmm. what we see in our common plays like in our lower levels or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. um, as toxicity and them just being a jerk I feel like some of that might transition actually over to helping you kind of improve and helping your team improve and understand when something's missed Um, and my question to you guys is like do you think that's when the level changes from it being just a game and having fun to it actually being work and being a job? Like, what do you guys think on that aspect? Uh, yeah, I think I think there's um, a definite like split between casual, 
players of these competitive games and actual competitive players. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I actually read about uh, the most recent Heroes of the Dorm tournament mm -hmm. um, is they, they do try to accommodate for players of all different skill levels. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I actually, I actually I'm, a, I'm a League of Legends player. Um, and uh, my friends talked me into playing in Heroes of the Dorm. We had no idea what we were doing, um, but that that was okay. The first the first mm -hmm. team that we played against, same way. They, oh, had, they had no wow. idea what they were doing at all. Wow. Um, huh. And we and we just like talked in chat about how how we're all league players, and they were like, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> what is this game? <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. So so it's it's definitely there. There's definitely been some pushes in trying to accommodate for different skill levels, mm -hmm. which I think is um, is great. I think that's a good step. I feel like that might actually be a good push for everybody to get involved. I mean, it's kind of got aspects of everything. A lot of people can play. It doesn't matter your, it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your gender, your race. It doesn't matter. There's a mm -hmm. thing for you. Uh, there's a space for you in all of the esports and even at collegiate levels. But um, so it, it is okay, I guess, at a higher level. And then, but trying to accommodate for everybody. For us who are playing at the lower elos and such like that. I want to hear a little bit about your guys' experience, not about you um, doing the actual toxicity, but, like, how often do you feel like you encounter, like, people who are toxic? Um, I play uh, – so recently uh, the Smite uh, qualify world's just ended for Smite, so everything's restarting again with, like, qualifying for different um, medals and qualifying for different leagues. So uh -huh. right now I'm in qualifiers for Smite, and how qualifiers works for Smite is you have 10 games that you play. They take – uh, the average of your best 10 games or the 10 games you play and they kind of fit you into a uh, ranking so it's bronze silver gold platinum and masters now so like yeah uh, I am I last year I was a platinum player and I am in qualifiers right now and it's a struggle like mm -hmm. uh, there are people who don't watch and who aren't necessarily like it's more or less like casual players who are like oh What's this? They don't even know anything about esports. They're like, oh, competitive? Well, I'm pretty good. I've been beating my friends in this game. And then they mm -hmm. play, they do bad, and they take it out on everyone. Right. Um, I've actually encountered uh, BM, bad mannerisms, with a, uh, a high-res employee. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was in a match last year. And um, so for those of you that know Smite or esports period, he was playing a support character as a jungle. He's playing a warrior, Odin. He's playing War Odin in the jungle. He was getting mad at our team because our team, this was still qualifiers. I mean, he's there, there, there's like, you're going to play with some diamonds and you're going to play with some bronze. Right. So um, he was like really bad. He was, I'm not going to mention who it was, but he was really getting into it and like calling out the solo laner and like telling him that he wasn't doing his job right. And uh, he actually sat in base. This high-res employee for this matchmaking game sat in base and didn't and, and refused to help. And uh, uh, he sat in there for a few minutes, and then he went out, and he just started doing his own thing and only contributing to himself on the team. He wasn't trying to help anyone or get any jungle camps. He was taking wow. things for himself. So, uh, yeah, I've I mean, I've – and going – I mean, we all talked last episode how we all played Call of Duty. Everyone – you're yeah. going to find it very, very rare – Playing Call of Duty, finding a twelve-year-old who hasn't had sexual relations with your mother. This so, is true. So, <laughs> so, this is true. Um, I mean, it branches from every. It like it's in every single esport, and I mean that 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 kind of branches from you playing the game as a kid, mm -hmm. learning it from other kids on on there on the internet and on uh, matchmaking, and then just copying that. So, 
that that's been that's really been my experience so huh <laughs> uh yeah so um for 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 most players they they expect the the lower lower tier players to to be raging mm-hmm. more often it's a lot more um uh disorganized in the games and stuff but it also becomes an issue for players that are um uh better at the game yeah uh, yeah so i'm i'm a plat player in mm-hmm. league of legends i have a few other plat friends some um, some low diamond friends as well um, and we like to play with each other. We we all kind of we both we all understand the ga- the game at the same level. So it's easy to play with those players. But for instance, when 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 maybe I I play with uh, some of the players from that I, or some of my friends from the EGL, mm-hmm. um, there's a whole lot of different skill levels in there from from uh, diamond all the way to pre thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, so it becomes a a little tasking for for me and for some of the other higher tier players to play with them yeah we want to teach them but how 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 much can we take before we're just like you guys are bad right <laughs> and you and need to practice and yeah. like and like we'll we'll play with them you know four games five games we're mm-hmm. we're okay with it but once 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 it starts getting on our nerves it's hard to it's hard to keep ourselves in a in a, in a positive mindset like this doesn't need to be a serious game yeah, so so it it is it is a little difficult for for maybe higher tier players or mid tier players to mm-hmm. to keep that that balance and keep and that uh that mindset. Kudos to the lower tier players who understand that it's that it's a game and understand that it's uh yeah understand that they're casual they're not but but they have like a sense of maturity about them they're not gonna go and uh, be really immature in a match. Mm-hmm. I really I really have high respect for those kind of people. Right. I mean like. Um, I don't I don't play ranked a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I just play normals. I don't have the mechanics or the skills. I got <laughs> bad fingers, like locking oh. joints. <laughs> so like I, I primarily play like jungle and support and things uh-huh. like that. But I don't really like the climbing process because I've noticed that uh, yeah the experiences are if somebody doesn't like you they'll throw the game. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that's pretty uh, that's pretty common in games like League of Legends. And I've had a couple experiences and seen people in Smite. Um, I've seen a lot of it in Dota. Oh, like Dota's communities, yeah. like the communities, really good, but they're also really bad about uh, yeah. <laughs> lack of communication. We'll say that way. That's um, a good way to put it. But I want to bring up my worst experience I've ever had with toxic community is Pokemon. 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 Really? really? So you can go online, you can play like those uh, oh, ladders yeah. and things like that, like Pokemon yeah, Showdown. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Now. You go on there, they see your team. And they will just flame just you and just tear you apart from the very what? beginning. And then you beat them, and it's like reverting back to that 12-year-old Call of Duty self. Yeah. <sighs> I've had some of the worst statements I've ever read just playing Pokemon. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I, no, I've, I, have, I have heard from, uh, from a few people from that, that, that Pokemon scene. They, those people are really into the, the, the development of their, of their team. And mm-hmm. understand, I know, understanding how... Uh, um, like, like they know the numbers down, down to like the yeah. very, the very point. Like, like mm-hmm. I will win if the, if this happens, and I know, I know this is gonna. Like, it is super intense. Well, we have a we have a roommate who gets really into it, and he's been telling us some of his stories that he's experienced from just being online to people uh, breaking their 3ds's. To, um, and this was from my brother. He went to an event for a competitive Pokemon that was here in Indiana. It was a big one. It was a like I don't remember exactly what it was, but anyway. Uh, this guy had this team. Uh, one of the Pokemon, like everybody, kind of has a general idea of how they're built. He built it completely opposite from what was normal, and he put down his 3DS, got up, 
and smacked the guy so hard because he lost. Oh my god! I've never like I mean like oh my this is yeah competitive him? level. He hit him. Oh my god! Yeah. All right, there's our there's our hockey right there. Yeah, <laughs> there's, our, there's our hockey, hockey right equivalent of a uh, hockey. <laughs> so like they've actually increased some security and like this kind of stuff happens at like trading card like events and such too. But like Pokemon's Pokemon's pretty rough. Like I'm actually like you I would have never yeah, guessed. Right? It's an E-rated game. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> Online experiences may change. E for esports yeah. or get out, plebe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, so like we have the big ones like League of Legends and Smite and things like that, and there are the toxic communities. And and I'm gonna say like, don't be toxic to your fellow teammates. Be like, there's there's constructive criticism and then there's negative criticism and. A lot of people don't know how to like kind of handle that, um, mm-hmm. but also for the people who feel like they're being like yelled at and things like that, you got to view it in an idea like is it constructive or is it not? Because if it is constructive, it'll help you be a better player, and then you'll have a better time if you are. Well, sometimes you'll have a better time if you are a better player. Like you can understand the game better, and you'll be more like fluid with your team. Communication's like huge, and yeah. yeah. So uh, I actually had another case that I just thought about, and this one is well-known within the Smite community. Um, there's a high-res employee named DM Brandon, and mm-hmm. uh, he's probably the most well-educated Smite person I've ever met in my entire life. Like, the employee for high-res, he knows everything there is to know about Smite, and he he's a caster for Smite too. So um, he always gives his input on situations, and he's a very, very intelligent guy. But he can be really, really, really toxic sometimes and be really like uh, I, I, I can't even think of one instance right now because there's so many. Uh, for instance, let, let's say one. Um, I had a friend of mine um, who followed him on Twitter and he was going through that day and just tearing people to shreds and ranked in terms oh. of like like not not tearing them to shreds in terms of skill, tearing them to shreds in chat, like being really rude to them, telling them that they don't know what they're doing. And see, that's kind of the, the thing about it. He knows so much about the game. If someone makes a misplay or someone does something wrong, he catches it and he calls them out for it, but he doesn't call them out necessarily in a good way. And I will say within this past year, he's really gotten better at it. He's mm-hmm. gotten better at... Uh, maintaining his own control and stepping back and realizing that he's an employee and he's a professional in this field. Um, but he did have a big problem. So uh, it, we probably shouldn't have done it because we poked the bear. Uh, but we went to Worlds two years ago and we all bought shirts that were anti-DM Brandon shirts. Ooh. It had a flower on it because his, his, he's from the juice community. Mm-hmm. So it's like a flower, an apple juice. And it had a red circle around it with a line through the circle. And the flower was stomped on. So we there was like eight of us that wore this, two worlds, mm-hmm. like mid-row. And he looked at us. And what's funny is my friend, although we all knew that uh, DM Brandon is really bad at uh, – has bad mannerisms. My friend looks up to him like he because right. he, he aspires right. to know much as much about Smite as what he does. Well, we walked into the bathroom. And guess who walked into the bathroom after him? DM himself, Ooh. but he didn't know he was in there. And I'm standing outside the bathroom, and he looks at me, and he flips me off because I'm wearing the shirt. <laughs> and he, he said, get an effing life, kid. And he went in the bathroom, and Chase, my, my other friend Chase Richardson, he came out of the bathroom, and his eyes were like a ghost. He looked like a ghost. And I said, what did he say to you? Chase goes, 
I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and apparently he walked in the bathroom, saw him, and tore him a new one. So, uh, like, like, it's, uh, like, and I, I will say, I still have the shirt. It's sitting at the bottom of my closet somewhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think that. Maybe you with, guys were the reason he changed. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, with toxicity, uh, but there was a big, the reason why I say the Smite community knows about it is the community was going out against him. The community in Ron Reddit was crying out against him. No one wanted him to be in the community anymore, wanted him to work for Smite because of the way Ooh. he was treating players and fellow employees. Now, he, like I said, like I said earlier, he has gotten better about it and he has a better way of going about expressing it now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still, well, he's still like, of course, you're going to have your raging moments here and there. But he has admitted that he's said some pretty terrible things and he hasn't meant to. Mm-hmm. Um, but And sometimes he has meant to. But that's just kind of how the scene goes. And that's just another way to look at it, I guess, was yeah. his way that he looked at it was uh, he didn't understand why people who were aspi- aspiring to be in esports and aspiring to get better at this game were doing so poorly and were, um, were doing so poorly and not trying the way that he thought that they should be mm-hmm. trying. So he would call them out for it, and he mm-hmm. felt like they should be called out for it. So, um, I mean, in a way, that's understandable, but in another yeah. way, you can't be toxic. And, right. and I, I am happy to say that he has he has got. I will say that once again. He has gotten better. He's not like that anymore. <laughs> right. He's he's very much a professional in his field now, and he, he knows a lot about Smite, but that, that that's, uh, that's kind of like my toxic story, yeah. dealing with an employee of esports employee wow that's crazy <laughs> i wouldn't say uh i have a like i would after all the toxic stories you know they all start to blend and sound the same <laughs> yeah. i would just start i would just say try to summarize um going back to just toxic toxicity in general it's the thing that's worst probably the worst manner of toxicity is when the toxic player or you know the, just the toxic chat is on your own team more than it is on the opponent's team. I completely team. agree with you. You know, like, I... I uh, tox- toxic people don't really bother me if it's my enemy, like, it's the enemy player, like, trying to be toxic against me, but it's when uh, a player on my team is toxic is when it gets the worst, you know? That's just like how you were talking, Drew, where, um, you know, just, like, the under-skilled players would be playing with your high-skilled players, and then, you know, it just kind of starts making it kind of hard to play, and then, you know, just... Both of your stories really is just makes it kind of uh, it's more like the team member rather than the enemy player, oh, yeah. you know. Because with the enemy player, there's a there's a, a sense of like competitive explosion yes, that's happening it's, it's there. Almost, it's almost it's more it's more trash talking than it is yeah, toxicity. And is... with with someone on your team, that's not competitive explosion. That's more team implosion. That's your that's exactly. your team that's your team like not getting along, and that's someone ruining that experience. Yeah, and that's definitely the probably the biggest part for me is just the the in the team itself uh just having that miscommunication or even if it is um constructive criticism like some people don't take it that way you know so it's like the it's more the behavior within the team than out of the team more than anything when dealing with the competitive competitive toxicity Mm -hmm. yeah and something else something else um that i've that i found interesting um like there are sometimes that that players try to like like moderate the situation, mm-hmm. trying you know trying to get the toxic players to stop talking. You you know you need to stop talking. You need to focus on the game, you know. Right. And but some some people don't understand that that those players have already checked out. Yeah. Those those players are are gonna be toxic until mm-hmm. they're until they're out of the situation. Yeah. Until they they're forced out of the situation. Yeah. So 
Go ahead. So it's a, it's it's a little hard to to kind of manage that that situation. So, you know, sometimes you do want to, um, you know, help them through it, but mm-hmm. sometimes there there's you know situations when it's just best to to let it let them get it out of their system. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's just a person's having a bad day, and you never really know. And sometimes you don't really need to get involved when it's between two people because. Mm-hmm. It's just either one person's having a bad day or, like, they're just having a rough time. And by the end of the game, it's really not going to matter because, yeah. I mean, unless you're playing at those, like, high levels of Diamond, Master, and Challenger, and League, you're not – more than likely you won't run into them. If you do, that that sucks. But <laughs> Even you, as you said earlier, even at that level, like, those guys know each other. Like, they've, yeah. they've competed. They've scrimmed with each other after the game. They're giving each other hugs. I can tell you mm-hmm. for a fact – after I was watching front row at the Smite World Championships the first year, there was not one team who did not hug every single member of the other team. Right. They didn't just shake hands; they hugged because, I mean, this is like this is this is a new th- like we've been talking about. This is a new thing that's happening, it's and we're community. all in this together. It's a community. Yeah, we're and, all in this together. And it's and since we're getting a little low on time, I just want to say like, it is a community. It's a new thing. Whether you're playing at that common little like lower level or playing at higher levels like platinum or things like that can be if you're going to be uh like critical make sure it's constructive make sure it's healthy but don't Mm -hmm. those who are getting like the criticism don't take it too much to heart it's just probably an off day but even then it's helping you be a better player and by being a better player you can also open up doors for opportunities like if you're younger you can go to college for it you can even become a professional you can do that all that kind of stuff but like don't take toxicity and things like that to heart. Just kind of see how you can see or try and improve from it. And those of you who are toxic and are just doing it to be jerks, please don't play the game. <laughs> yeah, just 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 <laughs> stop. Take yeah, yeah, take a break. If if you're toxic because you're having a bad day, take a break. If you're being toxic because you want to, yeah, don't 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 play the game. I don't <laughs> play with you. So anyway, uh, that is it for time. Uh, I want to thank all of you out there who are listening. And I I believe um, no, it has been a pleasure speaking with you, gentlemen. Um, it's been fun talking about collegiate esports and talking about our experiences with the uh, toxic level that we have <laughs> yeah. at at this age. Um, this has been Mr. Chase Nuclear Nukem, Mr. The Panda Adam Bang, and Mr. <laughs> Drew Baker. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, be sure to tune in next time. We're going to talk women in the esports industry and how uh, how we can really pursue that and see where we can go with that. I've been your host Zach Sexton, and to all you gamers out there, good luck and have fun.